Hey everybody, welcome to We Need to Talk About Kevin, uh, the only podcast that watches every Kevin Smith movie uh, and tells you how bad they are. <laughs> I'm not very enthusiastic today, I'm a little sick, but as always, I'm Ted. I'm Rose. This is Trevor. And uh, with us this week, very special guest, host of Struggle Session, host of uh, Jack AM, Jack Allison. Hi there, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. And to, to watch a, a Kevin Smith film here. I always I try to make a point whenever we have a guest on to apologize. Um, <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate that apology. And you know what? <laughs> I think that that might like, soften me up a little bit because I was kind of coming into this with a, a pretty angry energy, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, Jack, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I'm really sorry for making you watch this movie. I yeah. personally felt really bad it's about a it. Curse. No, I'm very glad to be here. And I do really appreciate your apology. The movie we're, we're talking about... Uh, uh, is Zach and Miri make a porno, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually a movie that when I when we started this podcast, I said that I hadn't seen any of his movies. That was a lie. I had seen this movie when I was like 17 when it got put on Netflix. Mm. I didn't like it then, and I really didn't like it now. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, this one is. Uh, I watched this movie today, and I'm like, man, like comedy. Like this movie made me like hate comedies, kind of. Like I watched this movie, and I'm like, maybe the comedy genre and film is bad. <laughs> Jack, before we dive in, I'd like to know what your experience is with Kevin Smith. What is your like level of S- Kevin Smith academia? I would say that I was a Kevin Smith fan, you know, in my teenage years. And I, uh, I'm, you know, uh, uh, probably like the target audience and age to be a Kevin Smith fan. You know what I mean? Like I was mm-hmm. kind of like, I was of the age that like, Clerks was like too old for me when I was like really uh, like 11. Let me let me look at actually the dates when all these came out because I have to uh, remember. But, you know, Kevin Smith was, yeah, 1994. Okay, so I would have been eight years old when Clerks came out. So that would have like been a movie that like existed and was already R rated and had like an R rated mystique or whatever. So like I grew up into Kevin Smith. You know what I mean? Like, the, uh-huh. like Clerks was the movie that was, like, the sort of, like, edgy R-rated comedy, and then I kind of, like, came of age during the, you know, the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back era and stuff like that. So I definitely was a big-time Kevin Smith fan when I was younger, and I and I definitely feel, you know, major, major shame about that as an adult today. <laughs> like, Kevin Smith love is, is at the same time and, you know, uh, uh, kind of of the same level of embarrassment as, like, that I also liked Limp Biscuit when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so how do you feel now about uh, Zack and Miri and how it fits into the Kevin Man, canon? The sort of larger Kevin Smith canon. Look, I felt in watching this movie and in thinking about Kevin Smith <laughs> that Kevin Smith is just so inextricably linked with, like, Harvey Weinstein in such a weird yeah. way oh that it's like really hard for me to separate. It really, really is. Like, so Kevin Smith is like this guy who's like a filmmaker in New Jersey, right? And he's doing sort of like raunchy, he's trying to do like raunchy R-rated comedies. I mean, Clerks is like actually fucking ridiculous. Like, if you really rewatch Clerks, like, we were, he thought, we were pretending this was, like, a French New Wave film or something like that. Like, it's like a web series. You know what I mean? Like, it's shot in black and white, for sure. I definitely give that it is shot in black and white. Like, <laughs> but they're, like, pretending this is, like, real filmmaking. And it's not. Like, I respect, so it's tough for me because I'm, like, you know, 
Kevin Smith is this guy who's just like a New Jersey filmmaker guy who is making movies, you know, at least in his early oeuvre that like were very distinctively his movies. You know what I mean? And so it's like, like, what is the issue with Kevin Smith, except that maybe like it got like he was too influential or something like that, or he like got gobbled up into Hollywood. And that's when you start being like, well, it's all Harvey at that point. These are like Miramax movies. Like Kevin is like another Tarantino. Yeah. Like so, what is what is the whole Kevin Smith thing? What is even this Zach and Miri make a porno? It's like some New Jersey filmmaker guy trying to like look cool to Harvey Weinstein, and, and like it also represents like a kind of like you know humor or something that is like out of Harvey. It's it's very weird. It's like hard for me to like uh uh like I watched Kevin I watched this movie especially and I was like, man, like Kevin is like not really this guy or something. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, it's like he's it's so vulgar and it's so, you know, and it's about making a porno or whatever, but I'm like he's like just really like trying to like I guess this is what you do in comedy is everybody has to say balls and say the N-word and everything like that. <laughs> like I don't know. Like uh uh I don't know. I, uh, that's my sort of weird and uh, disjointed answer about my current feelings about about Kevin Smith and this movie. Watching the last like four or five, every single one opens with a big like Weinstein title card. Yeah, like his name is the biggest name on every single one of the like in literal size. He brought Kevin in. Like Kevin is a is Weinstein's guy. So is, you know, so are so many people. But, you know, Kevin was like the sort of comedy vertical of the Weinstein enterprise. Interestingly, on the Weinstein issue, this movie was apparently such a huge failure at the box office that it destroyed his relationship with Harvey Weinstein. And they (laughs) never made a movie together again. Maybe this movie saved Kevin Smith's life. You know what I mean? Like, here he is, like, having to do some, like, really weird, like, and this movie's really weird. Like, this yeah. came out, this is a 2008 movie. Yeah, it's weird. And it's, like, right there yes. in that sort of, you know, knocked up, you know, 40-year-old virgin, like, the Apatow-averse is kind of fomenting, and nobody knows, like, what that mm-hmm. means for comedy filmmaking or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. they go to Kevin Smith, and they're like, you're this, you know, the guy that made comedy movies in the 90s. You know what I mean? And here's the new method. The method is you get these specific guys and you don't write a script and you just let them do whatever. (laughs) And so it is this kind of weird intersection. But like literally Craig Robinson and like the store manager from like 40-year-old Virgin are in it. Like the first couple minutes of the movie, I'm like, oh, you're just like watching like an Allison Jones casting reel or something like that. Yeah, something that happens kind of repeatedly in Kevin's movies where it seems like he notices something that's successful at the time yeah. and does his own really bad version of it. And sure. this is very clearly he saw the success of 40-year-old Virgin. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I got to get in on that. I got to get some of those people to, to, to do my terrible comedy. But it's so funny because I'm like, it's like, it's also Kevin is reflective of the film industry as a whole. You know what I mean? Because he is just this oh, filmmaker yeah. who's being dragged along by like whatever the current whims of comedy and filmmaking are. You know, Kevin Smith can't get a fucking movie made. The reason he's having to make like a 40 year old virgin style movie is because nobody will make a Kevin Smith style movie anymore. You know, <laughs> the thing that was so obvious about this one to me is you could tell like what jokes Kevin wrote and what jokes were just like 
sort of came up with on set. <laughs> yeah. Like so often. And I, I, I don't know if like many people would get that, but I've spent the last eight weeks of my life watching Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the well, well look, is poisoned. I this guess. is kind of a weird movie. It's like this is kind of like the perfect storm movie to teach you that studio comedies are bad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, like, it does, as you're saying, like, it kind of, like, straddles this line between, like, the 1990s-style, hyper-written, you know, Kevin Smith, very, like, snarky kind of control-alt-delete, like, like manner of comedy, <laughs> and then the, like, 2000s manner of comedy where it's just, like, get improvisers on set to do, like, the most improv they've ever done. And this movie really brings them together in a synthesis uh, to reveal that they both suck so majorly as <laughs> methods to make a film. Like they're, it, it like comes together in this like awful sludge uh, mm -hmm. that, is, that is such a bad mix. And on top of the incredibly obvious Apatow influence going on, what I was also surprised by with this movie is how much it took from uh, films like Ed Wood, where it's like kind of a scrappy film production movie. Mm -hmm. And Jack, what you were mentioning that came out in 2008 i had to look this up these these films aren't inspired by each other but they are great mirror images the same year that zach and mary make a porno came out be kind rewind also ah. came out and to me be kind rewind is exactly the type of comedy kevin smith like wishes he could do <laughs> it's a very similar tone same kind of thing of like a bunch of people getting together and making parodies of a movie. Right. But it's so much better on every single level. You know, I, this movie feels so much like Kevin Smith is like, they're trying to find out what to figure out what to do with Kevin Smith. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like, this is like, what do you do with, with, <clears throat> with Kevin Smith in 2008? You know what I mean? Like the the Kevin Smith, like Jay and Silent Bob are done. Like nobody wants Jay and Silent uh -huh. Bob ever again. Like his like, you know, he's not like a real filmmaker. He can't make like real films. Like he's not like his view, view of universe doesn't exist anymore. This is them like really trying to like fit Kevin Smith. This is the like round, you know, the square peg round hole kind of thing <laughs> with Kevin Smith. Like this is like, you know, Kevin Smith as applied to the moment and it just truly doesn't work. Oh, absolutely. Fully. Yeah, fully agree. One thing about this movie that I do think is very distinctly Kevin Smith is the really bizarre way that he writes about sex and romance. <laughs> and it's something we talk about a lot throughout his movies, and it really comes to a head in this movie where it feels like the writing feels like an eighth grader trying to imagine what like adult relationships are like. And it's, re it's really bizarre. And so much of the like jokes in this movie are just the characters saying like the dirtiest thing they can yeah. think of. Yeah. And that just being like a joke. I'm I'm kind of curious, Jack, as a professional uh, Hollywood comedy writer. Oh like, sure, what yeah. Your take Nominally. is on the the quality of the joke writing. I uh, hate this, this movie. movie. I hate the movie, <laughs> and I don't like any of the jokes. And it actually also like it it like has both the kind of like like you know it's not fun. It's not ha doesn't have any fun. You know what I mean? Like I, mm -hmm. I, Kevin Smith is like a Catholic, right? Isn't he like a Catholic guy? Oh, like, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's like, oh, deeply, yeah. he's like a religious guy or whatever. Like 
this doesn't feel like this feels like a movie about making porno from someone who's like uncomfortable to watch porno. And it probably yes. is. Yes. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And like, yeah. I think that's okay to be uncomfortable to watch porno, but like, it just sucks that Kevin Smith, this like guy is forced in 2008 because of like where we are with comedies to like make a, you know, movie about some people making a porno that has all this uh, improv in it. This movie, like, has both the kind of sort of wry Kevin Smith style, you know, uh, writing, which I it just like sort of grates on the nerves. And then it does have also it has this thing of like you feel like they were on set doing improv and trying to like heighten off of the last thing that was said. But they always went in the most fucked up direction. So the entire movie is just like, uh, you know, I'm not really like turned off by like comedy that is like abrasive and stuff like that you know what i mean like i'm not really turned mm-hmm. off by offensive comedy but this movie you're just like man it's like when like a 13 year old first learns like you know what the <laughs> porn hubs like terms look like you know what i mean like it's like oh yeah they're just excited to be saying swear words and i'm a little bit like man I have had swear words my whole adult life. It's not that exciting to me <laughs> to see a cuss word said. <laughs> yeah. And this has been a uh, running thing throughout Kevin's career. And I think it became a lot more obvious seeing it in this Judd Apatow format where yeah. it's exactly what you said. This comedy only makes sense as a comedy if you find like the very concept of a porn or even the very concept <laughs> of sex like uncomfortable yeah. and funny. And it's been a thing ever since his first movie, like in Clerks. Mm-hmm. There is a scene where it's just a dude listing off porno titles. Yeah. And that, again, is a scene in Zach and Mary It's Make not a even porno. a scene. It's like a montage. It's yeah. like a full-on, like, eight-minute-long montage with these same boring... That is a really good point, Rose, and I didn't even think about that they did the exact same thing in Clerks <laughs> with the mm-hmm. porno names. And another part that ties into this same idea where Kevin is just, like, so... He's at the same time likes to be vulgar because he finds it funny, but he's also very squeamish when it comes to sex. Um, This applies perfectly to the way he writes his female characters. As we kind of discovered as we went on this archetype of like these female characters that view sex in like a very analytical way where it's always kept at a distance. And I think this movie makes that the most obvious where it is this romance film basically by the end of it but it lets it lets kevin smith write about like a sexual relationship where the sex is like kind of cut off from the rest of it where he he can be very very squeamish about it and not really portray it honestly and his his like lack of understanding of what sexual relations are actually like makes his female characters especially miri in this one just seem completely soulless like miri is just a husk in this movie so i I think before we get too far because i sort of forgot to do this in the beginning uh we should sort of let people know the plot so that they don't have to watch it sure oh yeah true um yeah don't make that mistake uh, yeah Zach and Miri, our titular characters, are roommates, they're platonic friends, and they're not paying their bills because they spend their money on stupid stuff like fleshlights and skates, which we can get into later because that like bothered me a lot. But anyway, um, they decide that the way that they can make some money is by doing a porno. Mm-hmm. So they do a porno, and then when Zach and Miri, who have been friends for 20 years, according to the movie, um, when they have their scene, they fall in love, and then there's the classic, like, 
They don't communicate well. They like leave each other's lives for a little uh-huh. bit, comes uh-huh. back, you know. It's the, normal. the third act of a comedy movie. That's for goddamn sure. Exactly. Uh-huh. And so that's the movie. It's one of the simpler, I mean, ones so far. It's basically is just the title. <laughs> I'm sure they just wrote they just wrote the title up on a board and then like wrote down like Seth Rogen, female female co-star question mark. And then, and then they brought Kevin Smith in and were like, can you make this? Into a film that exists. And he did. He did a great job. <laughs> he he, it he exists. It does exist. It exists now. The basic uh, premise that they're struggling with economic anxiety, they can't pay their bills, and they come with the very common sense solution that they're going to make their own amateur porn movie, and it's like a surefire way to make a bunch of money, is like ridiculous. Well, it's like, you know, it actually would be a way to make money in the real world or whatever, but like they're making a porno in like the the way that you make pornos in like the 1970s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get like, like a grip costumes. and a DP and write a script and hold fucking auditions. It's like stupid. I, I actually I'm like, whatever. Like <laughs> if you like they talk in comedies about the promise of the premise or whatever. And it's like, so what if like two friends like wanted to make a porno together? It's like, I guess what you want to see is a bunch of like auditions being held and shit like that. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it is just yeah. Truly strange. Um, instead of deciding to just like make a video where she like takes her shirt off and then selling that on OnlyFans, they decide to make a full on, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, full production porno and shoot it on film. That's the part that like drove me crazy watching it that I didn't expect going into this movie. Uh, the fact that they have no money and they decide to make a porn, that's like a good premise. But them, like, making a porn with the production value of, like, right. a short film is just, like, it's bonkers to me. The- and it made me it made me think of, like, um, in Boogie Nights when they make the switch to video and they're all, like, pining for the days of, like, the classic porno when it was, like, a whole film set and everything. Like, that's what they are doing now <laughs> in the age of uh, of cell phone video and shit like that. Like, we saw the kid right. take the ass shot in the beginning of the movie. On the phone. I'm like, that was for free. <laughs> like, yeah, you, I know. It's you like, could make something it's so for funny. no the whole, money. The whole premise of this is, like, yeah, a kid, like, shot on his phone like her in her underwear and that went viral which by the way god every fucking <laughs> that movie, went viral every yeah. movie has a the cool. goes viral in the sort of like yeah. every comedy from like 2000 <laughs> to current has a goes viral moment um but yeah i mean like this movie might as well just be called uh, uh zach and miri make a movie you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not really about like making a porno so much as no. it's about like making a movie and like losing your lo- location and like losing your gear. You know, <laughs> they should have just said it in the seventies. Like, it even has yeah. kind of a seventies aesthetic. Like, yeah. just do that, and it makes way way more sense. Uh, yeah. The the other part of the basic premise, which doesn't make sense, except of course, you know, it has to lead to this romance and shit. But I'm like, they're hiring porn actors apparently why are they in the film well it's truly weird they're like auditioning people so they're like we need to make money and what we're gonna do (laughs) is we can sell porno to the people people? who we just went to the fucking stupid uh, student reunion with or whatever school reunion they'll watch a porno starring us so the first thing we have to do is hire other people to fuck well I don't know what the hell is going on in this movie but that's fine you had to get a hundred minutes done and so that's that's okay here we are (laughs) have to come up with a premise 
with costumes and a cast. It's and, all right. You yeah, know, a I'll, boom I'll, mic. I see what you did there, and you know that it doesn't work, but that's fine. I'll, I'll just let you <laughs> yeah. do that. <laughs> and by, by the end of the movie, the concept that they're struggling financially or whatever doesn't seem to matter anymore. Like that whole, <laughs> yeah. like that was kind of the setup for them making the porn, but you kind of just forget about it. And at the end, it's not even important. And like in the beginning of the movie, it, it's sort of painted like the, the reason they're struggling financially is because they keep like buying things that they don't need. It's like they keep buying stuff on Amazon because they can't like, it's just, this is what like rich people like don't understand what the world is yes. like. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the people who wrote this movie and Kevin Smith is not even like a rich person, but the people who like noted this movie and who like, you know, gave their thoughts on what they thought it should be like and stuff like that. I'm like, man, like the whole idea of this being like they ordered too many vibrators on Amazon. So their <laughs> fucking power got shut off. So they have to make a porno that needs to star other people. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? Sometimes it feels like Kevin Smith has never met like a real person. Like he doesn't know. It's not even just like a rich person thing. It's like he doesn't know what real. He's a life really weird like. guy. It is true that he's a yeah. truly strange guy, and that's why actually, I will even like be more forgiving of some of the like earlier, still bad Kevin Smith works because those like just reflect a little more of like just him. You know what I mean? Like they reflect yeah. his weird worldview and like I like movies made by filmmakers and I kind of do think that like Kevin Smith does make films that like he is expressing himself and this one like breaks my heart the most because this is like <laughs> this is like Kevin Smith selling out and yeah. failing at selling out. <laughs> like it's the Ugh, most fucked right. up thing. It's like him being like okay I'm just gonna take the check and well we'll just have money and then it's like well nobody liked it okay fuck it <laughs> yeah i've got i've got like no sympathy left for kevin at this point in his career because this is just such a hack job like yeah. you could hire any nameless director for this you could hire like colin trevorrow to direct True. zach and mary make a porno and it'd probably come out almost the exact same movie except you wouldn't have like all these cameos by clerks uh actors that's true and you know what's his name the clerks guy does have a good voice i will say that oh. that guy has a good voice jeff anderson yeah jeff name. anderson the guy who plays oh, randall yeah randall has a good voice uh jack you were mentioning earlier though like kind of rich person view of poor people this movie has this too has been a growing trend within the kevin oeuvre yeah. because in clerks we were kind of or i was kind of surprised that there is very little class consciousness for a film that's like about workers yeah. and actually kind of like resents workers and as he's gone along he has twisted into something worse shown in clerks too where it's not just that like he doesn't have this kind of class mindset but also he fetishizes like bosses and he thinks mm. bosses are cool. So Zach and Miri make a porno. I think it's his most cynical because it shows like poor people as a, uh, dumb idiots who buy stupid shit for sure and the way that they get out of their situation is by like starting a small business by like being entrepreneurs <laughs> and there's even like a, the, a very forced message which is like where miri is always telling zach like it's so cool that you're really going for this you know like she's <laughs> I so get, proud yeah, you're of working him. hard on you know this is a truly strange movie and it does reflect it came out in 08 like it does reflect a very 
interesting time. It's like, oh, all the millennials like don't have any money and it's because they're lazy, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. They buy too much <laughs> stupid shit, right? Like this is kind of like the Xer view of millennials around that time, which is like, oh, they just like don't have any money because they buy too much stupid shit. They should probably make a porno. And it also is like, I mean, I don't really know about this kind of stuff, but it seemed like pretty rude to sex workers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we should mention that. There was a lot of like just parts where the joke was like that. Oh, people do this for money. Yeah. Yes. And and it also has a kind of attitude where it's like um, where Zach and Mary are making a porno, but they are still better than actual professional yeah. porn stars. Like the porn stars in this are looked down upon and seen as just like stupid and kind of vile. Like there's a real cynicism. It's like to funny it. how much they like fucking and say come all the time and yeah. stuff. And they're like dumb and sort of burnt out and stuff. But and Zach and Miri, when they fuck, it's not as uh, cinematic. But, you know, it's it's got real love to it or whatever. It is very <laughs> weird. It's like this movie, like it's called Zack and Miri make a porno, but it's like a very like traditionalist movie. Like <laughs> it's like very sort of scared of sex and like, yes. you know, uh, and it's very much, you know, one man, you know, the a man gets one woman. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. if you sleep with another man, I can't be with you or whatever. Like the lesson he yeah. learns by the end is that like. I guess that he shouldn't be mad about her sleeping with other people or something. It's a truly confused movie. <laughs> which is a lesson in, in other Kevin Smith films yes. as well. <laughs> yeah, which I'm like, so yeah, like, I, you know, Kevin, like, you got to work through it. Him and Judd both have to work through this thing where, like, they got cheated on or something or whatever the fuck goes on in their marriage. Yeah, the, the kind of main conflict in this movie ends up being the fact that both of them don't want each other to have sex with anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and the movie has create, set up this scenario where it's like completely unreasonable for them to feel that way because it was their idea. <laughs> they decided they're going to make this porno and they're going to star in it together. And then, but then like the big kind of happy resolution where they get together at the end is we learn that they both... Both of their uh, innocence was preserved because they never lowered themselves by yeah. also having sex with, yeah. with another with one stars. other person, like with, a, <laughs> yeah. with another person. Not really. even that with somebody else in a porno, like because it's clear that they've also fucked other people. Yeah, with like a like, fellow sex worker, you know, <laughs> doing it in a porno. Yeah, no, it's it's a very yeah, weird a, and like moralist movie. I think uh -huh. it like doesn't like this is a movie that doesn't know like. It, it doesn't it like wants to be it wants to think that porn is like fine and we're all like okay with it or whatever but it is it's like an anti-porn movie in a very real way oh, yeah. Like, yeah and you know I, and also like you know you feel like when you watch this movie you're like don't you I, like I, I feel like it, I just wish it would have you know making the whole movie about them making the porno and then the porno gets finished I'm like it just feels like a real fucking waste of a movie to just do like another like the a bunch of friends get together and make a movie kind of thing like don't you feel yeah. like you want to have them like have made the porno by like minute like 40 or something you know what i mean like yeah. they've made the porno they sent it out they're making money from it like what the hell's happening now you know what i mean like zach and miri make a porno is like what happens when you make a porno it's not like 
isn't it hard to make a movie? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's and Ke- Kevin can't help but spend the whole movie dwelling on his own like weird, unexamined sexual pathologies. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so that ends up being what the whole movie is about. And like very sort of nickel, like he's like a little. He is like a weird guy. Like, and I think some of it has to do with him being like hyper religious or whatever. But like, he's got a sort of very like you know immature sensibility and i don't mean that only in the sense that he likes to say cuss words and stuff like that but it's like you know poop like he gets like the guy gets like shit oh all over yeah. and stuff. like that is the most gra- like that's more that's shot like more lovingly than any of like the breasts in the movie you know what i mean like kevin is more into getting like his friend like sprayed with poop than any of the women's breasts that are in this film the the weird thing i mean there's so many weird things about kevin but one of the weird things that keeps coming back is Kevin keeps on writing uh, romances. He keeps yeah. on writing like men and women talking t- to each other. But he is like, for one thing, he does not understand how men and women relate to each other. Yeah. He doesn't understand romance. But also he seems like not just prudish, but like incapable of any kind of sensuality. Like there is no <laughs> feeling of actual... Yeah sexual attraction of yeah. beauty there's there's no desire there even in the romantic that's something scenes. that i can identify with and i wish kevin would explore that more in his movies like i wish kevin would explore more like well i'm just like a big old fat ass and fucking large shorts and like my wife is pretty and i don't like to fuck like that's more interesting to me than him like trying to protect like he's like it's like my when i watch these kevin smith movies i'm like Thou doth protest too much a little bit. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you're really trying and I and, and I don't mean that in the sense that I'm like I'm not trying to say like Kevin Smith is gay. I'm trying to say like Kevin Smith is not that interested in sex the same as I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Kevin Smith is like really trying to prove how much he like loves sex and I'm like I don't really buy that, dude. It's okay to just like movies and food and stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just finds sex inherently funny and in particular yeah. any kind of gay sexuality. Oh yeah, that's way very very funny to hear about the- anything gay just describing gay sex acts is uh truly very funny that scene actually with justin long i found like a little bit like weird i was like so yeah. these these are a bunch of straight guys on set doing improv and the improv are about like how much they love fucking each other and that's like what the joke yeah. is is that like justin long really likes to fuck his boyfriend and that is what mm-hmm. the joke is here <laughs> i'm like mm, i would I say know. yeah that is like at least as far as we are now at least like 60 70 percent of all the jokes in all these movies <laughs> there's That's even true. like uh there's even like a weird moment in this movie where uh, and and jack we should let you know that if you haven't heard it kevin wrote a long long ass letter oh, about how he's not homophobic <laughs> so oh, okay okay keep that in mind but there's like a scene in this movie where um, Jay, I don't know what his character's name is in this. Uh, Lester. The Lester. Um, yeah. they, they briefly make it sound like he might have to have sex with a guy. And then Jay's like, uh, uh, you know, like, I'll do that, but I prefer to have sex with a girl. And then Craig Robinson goes, oh, what's wrong with you? Like, like this isn't even a joke. Like, you are just saying that, like, having sex with a guy is, like, gross and bad. And that is the joke. I feel like if you're a porn actor, that's your job. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's kind of normal, actually, for, for porn actors. I like doing the podcasts that I do, but I'll also do a podcast that I don't like. I do a lot of them. <laughs> 
And of course, um, you know, uh, we have to hear characters like say faggot and surprisingly sure. say the N word a bunch a of lot. times too. A lot, a lot yeah. of N word in this movie. We were really like in like, I swear to God, like, in comedies like past 2000 they were like well the only the only thing that what comedy is is like going the furthest and so like mm -hmm. we have to like and what happens in these theaters like everybody goes into a darkened room and like laughs and then like it's a secret what happens in there or whatever you know what i mean <laughs> like it just had gotten to a really wild place around 08 i'm like man like when that first scene with craig robinson i was like I, again, don't get offended by stuff, but I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know what I mean? When they're yeah. doing like a big, long ass riff with Craig Robinson, like talking about like Black Friday and saying the N word a bunch. <laughs> and we're talking about yeah. Amistad. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, who the hell is this? Like, what are we doing? What the fuck are we doing here? Is how I felt. <laughs> it just was bizarre. I just was like, you know, this is like the kind of, you know, uh, Xer, you know, uh, uh, shock humor times the sort of Apatowian uh, improv thing. And that's like, you know, that's what makes this movie kind of feel so like weird and off-putting, you know, for the entire uh, uh, movie. Yeah, all of that, all of that with this additional sort of gloss of like Catholic squeamishness around yes. everything just makes it extra bizarre and uncomfortable to watch. And in Catholic romance, too, because when you were talking about Kevin <laughs> and sex earlier, uh, how he is not a sensual person. But what I'm realizing with these films is that what Kevin cares a lot more about than sex is a woman not having sex with anybody but him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the more important the perfect part. Woman, the perfect woman for Kevin Smith. Actually, the perfect, truly, the perfect woman for Kevin Smith would be a woman who doesn't have sex, but would have sex with him, but never does, chooses not to specifically with any other man, and he knows that she would with him, but he chooses not to because he doesn't want to, and I identify with that. Uh, uh, but, you know, that's the perfect woman for Kevin Smith is a woman who's uninterested in sex except for with him, but he doesn't have it with her. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Kevin's uh, Twitter account would have me believe otherwise. He insists that he's an insatiable clip uh -huh. <laughs> and the <laughs> oh, brown area and all this yeah. stuff <laughs> one thing that came to me while watching this movie and because in the beginning he writes like a one-off joke where i think that's his wife right uh betsy is her oh. name uh where she goes off and like gives zach a hand job or something no his wife was the lady at the there was the, the with the oh, name tags right yeah right yeah there it is she doesn't have sex with Zach and and she's I I want to get like her take on this because it does seem so phony coming from Kevin uh and you know has Jennifer Jennifer Schwalbach ever commented on like her husband talking about eating her pussy all the time <laughs> I don't it know. comes up a lot it comes up a lot it comes up in his fucking movies comes up on his Twitter feed uh, he directly replies to some people. We covered this in the last episode. He directly re replies to people saying that he does it, which is I like promise very... I fuck my wife. I promise I do. It. I, I love really to do. do it. I love it so much. And if you're Catholic and you only have one kid, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. That's a good point.
Yeah. No offense to Harley Quinn Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, uh, Kevin's very, very proud to fuck his wife. Uh, he'll, he'll let you know anytime. He's very, very proud that he does have sex, and it for sure does happen. That's the thing about Kevin and having sex with his wife is they definitely do it. This guy who is much more who's like got like 20 years on me and like 50 pounds on me who smokes more weed than i do definitely is fucking his wife all the time that's for goddamn sure i want to give a shout out to the one highlight of this film for me which came as complete shock uh was um that kenny hotz shows up in yeah. this film. Yeah. I don't know if people on this podcast know who Kenny Hotz is. I do. Is. I love Kenny okay, Hotz, good. actually. Kenny Hotz is the man. Um, Canadian icon. One scene only. <laughs> the other the other Zach. The other I Zach. I he was going to come back. I know. I, I was, was like, so oh, surprised. Kenny Hotz. I was like, early in the movie, I was like, this is kind of a weird... I'm like, we're kind of like... It's like got the Apatow people, but then there's like Kenny Hotz is in this, but then, you mm-hmm. know, you never see him again. And it's like... Like he's not used ever again in the movie. Well, see, this is a this is an issue that I've uh, you know I've uh, I haven't brought up because it's very sensitive to me. But the Canadian cultural appropriation <laughs> in Kevin Smith's films, <laughs> uh, you know, it's always been present. And sure. this film starts to rear its its head more uh, with Seth Rogen starring, you know, Canadian icon, and uh, people like Kenny Hotz being thrown in for this kind of. Uh, you know, diversity, uh, pandering to make, make it okay that they use things like hockey in the film. And of course I, I expect this will only get worse as we progress towards yoga hosers. But a lot of, a lot of Canadians in this film. I think the most disappointing thing for me uh, about this was as I've like grown to dislike Kevin more, I've grown to <laughs> like Jason Mewes a lot <laughs> and I feel bad for him. him. And like, I don't think he was, like especially bad in this movie but I, it, he just didn't have it here he's, it he's really a little you know, I, I like Jason Mewes too and we're all pulling for Jason Mewes and I actually do think that <laughs> like are. he does have some good performances in him you know what I mean like there are mm-hmm. times when I'm like that's a good Mewes performance this one is yeah. not quite there uh, but I'm glad that he got the work anyway is this the first movie he hasn't just played Jay right I yeah, think so it must yeah be. I think so. I also get a strong sense from this movie that, like, it seems like Kevin really likes to humiliate Jason Hughes. He puts, it puts he make he makes him get completely naked and show his yeah. dick, and he's in a lot yeah. of like weird compromising scenarios in this movie. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's maybe a little bit of like we we we, we talked in the past about the weird uh, relationship between Kevin and Jason Hughes, and I don't know if there's some kind of weird like jealousy thing. <laughs> happening there but um the way he's used in this movie is is very strange to me so so there definitely is a weird jealousy thing um in one video that got youtube recommended to me because i do this fucking show uh <laughs> kevin smith admits that jason muse is like the best dad ever and he's really jealous of him and it comes off <laughs> way too strong oh no and jason muse is there it's like some interview oh, thing God. i don't know what it's called and and it it really made me like still uncomfortable that Jason Mewes is just sitting there like oh thanks. thanks <laughs> well, see in like the the dark hierarchy of Miramax, you have Weinstein at the top, like the evil brooding boss that sits in his throne and conducts evil. 
But then below him, you have uh, one of his main toadies, uh, Kevin Smith. <laughs> and and uh, and then Kevin Smith carries that darkness with him and uh, lays it out on one of his poor, innocent henchmen, uh, Jason Mewes. And even though this, this podcast has turned pretty anti-Kevin, I, I will say definitively, I am pro Jason Muse, and he needs to be protected. He, he's the hero of this whole saga. He I is. Think. We need to save him. He has. He made his own movie recently, like last year or two or something. Well, I hope it does well. I hope the best for him, and I hope that he gets out of uh, Kevin's grasp. <laughs> I really do. I do I too. If if it wasn't for Kevin, well, maybe he wouldn't have had a career for Kevin. But if if he wasn't kept. So firmly clenched in Kevin's little hands. I think he could have been like pretty successful. He's really charming, really funny, and is like his character is totally not it's not totally unique, but it's it's a pretty unique to him that I think it could take him pretty far. You know, I actually I will even put forward the alternative here. Uh, that I think someone like a Jason Muse would have been so easy to just get left behind completely and chewed up and like never looked at again. I think it does speak to Kevin's character. You, there's no way any no Jason was not under Kevin's thumb. No one would have cast him in anything. It's like you know, it's good that Kevin still puts him in stuff. I, I and I know that he likes to fuck around with him and everything like that. But I actually do think that Kevin Smith and I will go on record here is good to Jason Muse. <laughs> Silent Bob is good to Jay. All right. Oh, I I largely agree. I just wish that I just wish that uh Jason Muse had like something outside of Kevin's films that was really successful so there wasn't like the same power thing because you know like um like Scorsese and De Niro of course they <laughs> <laughs> comparing like you know performers and artists of equal uh, of equal standing um, Scorsese and De Niro they have this long standing relationship and Scorsese's written some of De Niro's best roles but De Niro is also extremely successful outside of Scorsese uh, whereas Jason Mewes is really only successful That's within true. Kevin Smith's films yeah uh, I'll say personally, I'm fine with Jason Mewes not being a bigger uh, star. I think his life is probably okay. He's doing fine. Yeah, I think he's doing okay. I hope he gets to like run the shop or something. Like, that's why I want him to. I just want him to have like steady income. <laughs> he, he's I'm looking fine. out for him. That's good. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Uh, any other? Um, were there any other? Uh, Clerks cast members. There was Randall. I think just Randall. Yeah, the rest of the cast were just uh, Apatow people. I think just Randall. Yeah, Tom Savini was in there for a moment. Who's like a makeup oh, guy. Oh, that's right. yeah. yeah, Tom Savini. Yeah. I knew I recognized him. That's yeah. a that's a strange cameo. I like the Tom Savini cameo, and it's coming. It's, I just did a podcast about Day of the Dead, so it was like oh, it nice. just felt a little bit simulationy to me or something. I was like, "What? Tom Savini is in this movie?" <laughs> there are a bunch of Romero connections in this movie. Apparently, they shot it uh, in Pittsburgh, and I think there's a scene that was shot at the same mall that Dawn of the Dead oh, no was set in, and yeah, also of course there, there was. Uh, 
And their hockey team is named the Zombies because of, you know, George oh. Romero and Zombies. Mm. And one of the pornos that they come up with is like a Dawn of the of, Dead parody. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a funny connection, though. I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, I love Day of the Dead, by the way. That movie's awesome. Like we said, this movie was a huge flop at the box office. It opened at number two behind High School Musical 3. Uh, <laughs> Good Lord. And uh, Kevin Smith was uh, despondent about the failure of this movie. He said in an interview, I was depressed, man. I wanted that movie to do so much better. I'm sitting there thinking, that's it. That's it. I'm gone. I'm out. The movie didn't do well, and I killed Seth Rogen's career. This dude was on a roll (laughs) until he got it in with the likes of me. I'm a career killer. Judd's going to be pissed. The whole internet's going to be pissed (laughs) because they all like Seth, and the only reason they like me anymore is because I was involved with Seth, and now I fuck and ruined that. Did you say that? <laughs> it was like high school. I was like, I'm a dead man. I'll be the laughing stock. So, Good so lord. Holy this was shit. not a high point in Kevin's career, but luckily his very next movie, Cop Out, went on to be his highest grossing movie <laughs> of all time. So Wait, is that true? Back. That's true. No way. Yeah. That's insane. God. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that Zack and Mary flopped, honestly, because it just seems like so um, I can see the exact formula that they were like writing in whatever executive meeting they came up with this film in. Uh, And it seems like like to me, it seems like it should have worked despite not being any good. Yeah, it should have gotten people like in to see it. Like, I I don't know. All right. Uh, Do we do we have uh, do we have anything else to say about the film before we move into more great Kevin? uh, Kevin content. No. I, this is the I'm, one that left me like most just bland and bored and yeah. Uh, it's up. It's, it's a really bad movie and it doesn't doesn't have any of the sort of charm of any of the Kevin other Kevin no. Smith movies no. which uh, I like d- despite myself they do kind of have a charm. This one is just like uh, yeah. it's sad. It's just sad. This is like this is like Kevin Smith like you know when ET like turns gray and he's all fucked up <laughs> like this is like that that's Kevin Smith. <laughs> To me, this is like that, Kevin Smith. Yeah, I hated watching it. It made me feel really bad, and I'm ready to forget about it and move on. (laughs) All right, so now we will move into the part of the show we call Kevin's Receipts, uh, where usually we look at posts of Kevin. It was inspired by, you know, the awful first one. Um, But this week, we thought, since we have a very special guest on, we should look at another prolific man-baby poster, Movie Bob. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. We know he's a good friend of yours, Jack. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, to, uh, I've had my I've had my back and forths with movie Bob and his movie brother. <laughs> the movie Bob. Um, the whole movie clan. And his movie his movie uh cousin, actually. The movie cousin he held with me for a fucking while. Oh, I'm gonna start getting my cousins to go after people. The whole movie family. When Melissa Chipman is emailing you, like, you're too online. Like, when Melissa Chipman is sending you fucking emails, it's you're too on Twitter. Uh, so, 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 what is, so what does Movie Bob have to say about uh, Kevin Smith? Movie Bob has a three-part video via Escapist, right? That's what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I watched, I should know. Um, three-part video on Kevin Smith. First of all, he sort of, like, preemptively absolutely roasts us by saying... Don't worry, I'm not going to go through every single movie uh, in a five-minute video, and we are doing that with, like, hour-long podcasts. So. Who, who, would, who would do something like fucking that? It's a terrible God. idea. Movie Bob doesn't have the bravery to take on the task that we have burdened ourselves with. 
honestly, Movie Bob did a pretty good job. I mean, it's not great, but and the vi- the style of the video is like really grating on me. But he makes a lot of the same points that we have made. Um, oh, oh no! Yeah, and this came <laughs> no. out in 2014, so Movie Bob is ahead of ahead of the curve <laughs> compared to us. Um, he likes mall rats a lot, which I thought was oh, extremely what? funny. Uh-huh. Um, and like we said, I think in like episode two or three, Movie Bob sees himself as Kevin. I mean, which makes total sense. Oh, total sure. sense. They're they're an archetype of guy just in different avenues of success. Well, Ted, let me read you something here, okay? <laughs> and, and and let me see, uh, you know, who you think this describes. <laughs> You probably already know who it is. But just to see how neatly this fits in with Kevin. Uh, This man is a part-time independent filmmaker, part-time amateur film critic, and full-time movie geek. He is heterosexual, a Pisces, and severely lapsed Catholic. He is a tireless enemy of censorship, considers his personal politics libertine, and enjoys acting as a full-time irritant to overly serious people of all political stripes. Now, of course, this is how the movie Bob describes himself uh, on his blog. But to me, this is also like an exact description of Kevin Smith. That is an exact description of Kevin Smith. I don't know if he's a Pisces, but besides that. So do we think the reason Movie Bob hates Kevin Smith is because he's jealous of him because he wanted to be like a Kevin Smith and (laughs) he sees Kevin's success as like everything that he was supposed to have in life? So I think partially, but I I also think it's it's like not so much jealousy as like you never like somebody that's too much like you, right? <laughs> like if you meet somebody that everybody's right. like, oh, they're just like you, you fucking hate them usually. Yeah, that, that's true. So like, I think there is, part of that is the jealousy and part of that is the like buried down self-hatred that most people have, <laughs> come on. Um, it, it, that you can really only express when it's not actually you and you can really project it onto your the other person. In fact, Movie Bob says in the videos, like literally that he projected himself um, on to Kevin. And w- one thing that I forgot to mention that was really funny is what he d- really did like about Clerks was that it showed nerds talking about Star Wars, but not in like a <laughs> denigrating way. And he's like, oh, thank God. Finally, some nerd representation. <laughs> and it, he goes over it so fast. I had to like pause the video and go back and watch it a couple times because it was immensely entertaining for me. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, in my mind, they are definitely like uh, dark reflections of each other, and I think they would make like a perfect uh, hero and supervillain matchup. Like Movie Bob totally has a supervillain origin. Uh, growing up watching <laughs> Kevin succeed, uh, it's very much like it's almost like a like an Akira situation where Movie Bob is like the the shit upon one uh, who's watching this other person <laughs> succeed. But of course now Movie Bob has his own platform, and now right. he's famous, and he will wield that power. <laughs> This is a Salieri. This is a Salieri. He's like witnessing yes. like he's like witnessing Kevin Smith make like uh like mall rats. Meanwhile, he's like, and me, all I can do is my masterpiece about playing Mario three or whatever. <laughs> can you imagine a yeah. book about playing Mario by Kevin Smith? That would be fantastic. Yeah, that'd be great. 
And I mean, looking at uh, Movie Bob's blog here, he was a huge fan of Kevin's early works because he says here that um, that he loved Clerks, he loved Mulrats. He says he respected Chasing Amy, uh, uh, loved. <laughs> One of the least respectable movies Awful. of all time. Yeah. <laughs> he, he loves Dogma. He says Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is really funny. He likes Clerks too. So I'm like, okay, what, well then. What doesn't he like? <laughs> what don't you like? And I think it's like he doesn't like Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know when this was written, Rose? Uh, this is written in 2013. And wow. the, the part that he does mention is he says that uh, uh, he says that he, Kevin's been blowing it ever since. He doesn't like his self promoter shtick or whatever. And he specifically mentions Kevin saying something about film critics he didn't like, which I'm very <laughs> curious that that was. Maybe he disrespected the authority of the esteemed uh, film critic. And he didn't like uh, the uh, nonsense that went down around the film Red State, which I'm assuming was like Kevin uh, getting political or something like that. Oh, Red State is very, very bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Very excited for that The one. videos that I watched came out late 2014, early 2015. So, and he, the only ones that he could really say he liked was Dogma. All the other ones he wouldn't say were like good movies, but he would say like, I kind of like them, but they're not very good. Dogma, he said, was great. So it's interesting just how much like changed over time. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like I was surprised that it, that was so recently. I was expecting that to be like 2010 or something. <laughs> He's, he soured so much. His hatred has brewed you know, so much in that time. Movie Bob grew as a critic. Um <laughs> And I think that's commendable. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I think we, we all should salute Movie Bob here today on the podcast. <laughs> big big ups for Movie Bob. I just like to think that like his hatred towards Kevin became so extreme that like he couldn't even look at the films anymore. Like in my imaginary scenario, he has a wife. I don't know <laughs> if he does. I feel like he probably doesn't. I don't think he does. But, but just like coming home and seeing her like laughing at uh, chasing Amy or something and just like <laughs> smashing a plate. <laughs> just that is a fl- cursed image. Fly, fly, fly into a rage. Um, but yes, of, of course, uh, respect to fellow um, film critic and uh, Kevin Smith scholar, uh, the, the movie Bob, uh, the Cinema Robert. I will say the, those videos had far more production value than uh, this podcast does. So <laughs> you want us to be there. Although in every single video, he plays the same clip from Star Wars. Each video is like four and a half minutes long. He plays the same, you were the chosen one clip that Obi-Wan says to Anakin in uh, episode three. Um, so that's kind of lazy. But other than that, like high production values said a lot of the same stuff that we've said on previous episodes so i I feel kind of bad because he beat us to it but if you want to go watch the videos uh go ahead they're much shorter maybe podcasts maybe if kevin smith made a movie that was about how like rural poor people don't deserve hospitals then movie bob would get back on board with yeah he would love it (laughs) that's another thing they both have the like in, in a different movie, Bob has it in a different, more like darker way, like the weird racism. Where movie Bob is just like, <laughs> if you don't live in a city, 
kill yourself. Uh, and Kevin just loves to put like really annoying racial stereotypes. Like in Zack and Miri, there was the angry black woman, which I feel like even at the time was extremely played out and like pretty racist. Um, obviously, of course, in Chasing Amy, really any of his movies that like involve a black character uh, tend to sway towards like almost an innocent sort of like racist <laughs> depiction where it's like nah, I can see somebody just like not knowing better. It's just like a weird parallel that I keep seeing among these like man baby type guys. Yeah. <laughs> Our archetypes of Kevin. Um, Kevin was the, the great, like, he was the Madonna for all of us. You know what I mean? Like, for those <laughs> of us that, like, grew up in the 90s and, like, you know, grew up into, like, fat little bearded men. Like, like Kevin was, like, Kevin was, you know, he was, this is why representation matters. This is why representation <laughs> matters. This is why it mattered to have someone up there that looked like me, you know? Well, Jack, on a previous episode, we had discussed uh, theorizing some type of, uh, I don't know, like anthrop- uh, anthropology of the nerd. This uh, this kind of universal platonic balance between, uh, <laughs> like, if you imagine a triangle, uh, at one point there's Kevin Smith, another point there's Movie Bob, <laughs> and then another point there's you. Yeah. And <laughs> there is, uh, there's some kind of universal law. Right of, in the of center there, right in the here. center there is like a good person. There's a, right in the middle there <laughs> is someone who's good. <laughs> but you, I, I think, you get the three of us. <laughs> I, I think we also had like an alignment chart sort of half fleshed oh, out yeah. that had Matt Christman on there and some other people. <laughs> it's an interesting idea for sure. Yeah. Um, the fat bearded men alignment chart. <laughs> <laughs> but it requires very specific nerd interest. It really like, does, yeah. You have to be you have to be interested in Star Wars for one thing. Like that's the number one. Star uh, Wars and comic books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe that's why Kevin succeeded is that he was like this platonic ideal form of uh, well you know what's so funny bearded comic book nerd what's so funny is that you say that you know what what drew movie bob to clerks was people talking about star wars and i actually don't think that that was uncommon i think that's like what drew nearly everybody to clerks mm. is like watching people just have a conversation about star wars on camera like that actually was novel back when kevin smith did it back then and so I actually am legitimately making the argument that like Kevin Smith's sort of place in the pantheon is like as representation for like the type of men who watch movies. Yeah. Representation in movies for the type of men who watch movies. <laughs> He's like a different side of Tarantino's coin. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. And and again, it all Ooh, comes yes. back to Weinstein. It still comes <laughs> yeah. back to Weinstein like as this like hub of like this like weird like mob boss like uh, in California like finding all these weird men who like sort of like fit like you know got the angst of the time or something like that and bringing them out to uh, further his criminal sexual enterprise. Maybe if we like spoke Korean, we'd find out that Bong Joon Ho is also like just another kind of Kevin or. Well, Tarantino. you know, no, come I on. mean, yeah, I mean, you, you know, uh, <laughs> he's, got for, a little bit. he's like, I mean, look, like Bong Joon Ho is make mo- makes movies in in Korea that are like you know funny <laughs> that like have widespread appeal, and then all of a sudden Weinstein finds this guy. You know what I mean? 
true, yeah. Now, Jack, now that you, you mentioned it, I, I think you can draw a lineage between what Kevin was doing in Clerks with just having people talk about movies and uh, the modern podcaster and maybe the modern video essayist as well. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, definitely. And maybe that's why Kevin is actually so legitimately good at like podcasting podcasting yeah like maybe he was like he was meant to be a podcaster they yeah. just didn't have that job yet and so they were like maybe this guy <laughs> makes movies or something like we know that the world needs to have like big fat nerds talking about star wars but we don't have like it's not enough audience to put it on network television or even cable i guess we'll make independent movies of it until something exists that can like hold this and then here we are today. Now now Kevin has his smod castle and all we have is our little fiefdoms scattered all about the internet. Well, hang on. I should make clear that we are all gathered today in the official We Need to Talk About Kevin recording studio. Okay, yes. We are oh, gathered yeah. today in the official Don't get recording studio. Twisted. Yeah. You know, back back when Clerks came out, if you wanted to hear guys talk about Star Wars, I mean, you, you had to drag together whatever indie films you could find and just cut out your favorite clips of them who would know <laughs> that now in 2020 we would have such a bounty oh, of truly. men talking about star wars i know you actually, you actually wait, 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 back in the day like here's why kevin smith was actually a pioneer is like he knew so much that we needed to watch like men talking about how people fuck in star wars that he like <laughs> bought film he like shot it on black and white film because that was the only way to get it done. Like he was like, how the hell like the people need to know what it looks like when men talk about Star Wars and podcasts <laughs> were the right right method for it. But he was so driven even back then. He was like 30 years ahead of his time. He had to put it on black and white film. <laughs> he was so ahead on podcasts. Something that struck me when we watched Clerks for this was that it was like what a webcomic would be if there were webcomics. <laughs> yeah. And right. so that sort of connects it that like also webcomics... Well, they you come know, from clerks. Style. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I swear to God. Well, I mean, on, frankly, also, a lot of webcomics, like, legitimately, like, take their style cues from the clerks cartoon. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Penny yeah. Arcade looks like the clerks cartoon. They all have the kind of, like, sly, their eyes half down, you know, the eyelids yeah. half down. Like, like my, Kevin Smith's, like, influence is, is massive. Uh, <laughs> and it's bad. But that's life. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think what, like, you can trace this like genealogically or whatever that web comics <laughs> sort of turned into the output for like mildly creative guys who need a very low effort like <laughs> outlet for that yeah that yeah. turned into podcasts uh, yep that's now. what it is and, and here we are today <laughs> Here we are today in the official We Need to Talk About Kevin recording studio. Yeah. If if Kevin had only been born just a few years later, he would have just been some annoying online guy instead of a director. We all would have been spared his uh, film career. But unfortunately, and now it didn't he's happen both. Like or that. if we had all been born just a little bit earlier, maybe we'd have made uh, a bunch of films by this point. But that's life. <laughs> and, and you know uh, what you were saying about Kevin being the, the other side of the coin to Tarantino. I think that is also part of the uh, the appeal of Tarantino's early works as well, is hearing uh, guys, except in this case, cool guys, yeah. talk about like dumb pop culture Talk about like shit. burgers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like oh, hearing man. them talk about uh, Madonna's Like a Virgin or whatever. Uh, and uh, 
And just listening to those conversations, I mean, like, oh, damn, you never hear this in movies. Well, now you can hear it all the time <laughs> on any podcast network. The diner scene from Reservoir Dogs is a Kevin Smith scene. Just yes. not yeah. awful. No, no, that's, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 scene is what Kevin Smith like wishes his movies were. Exactly. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's it's a good version of it. Yeah. But it it is disgustingly similar and I feel dirty having said it. <laughs> it's a gross connection to find. Maybe if podcasts weren't around right now, we would be making movies where people sit around in diners and are like, "Hey, you ever you ever watch Clerks 2?" <laughs> <laughs> That was like a uh, a cracked thing, actually, for a while. Oh, I, damn, you're I remember right. watching when yes. I was a kid, they had like a thing where they'd sit around in diners and talk about movies. After Dark, yeah. That was a pretty good series. Well, I want to stop this podcast before I make any like haunting, many more haunting realizations. <laughs> that was too many revelations in a row. Thank you again, Jack, for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. This was a good time. Again, I sincerely apologize for doing this i want to i want yeah, to okay. I accept your apology but you know please don't don't do it again please don't do another podcast where you watch all of kevin smith's movies but it's fine for this one time <laughs> it's um, too late we're locked in now yeah i do want to sort of exonerate myself i i was not present when the decision was made to do the podcast about this i was like driving it was or rose's idea uh so yeah it's rose's fault um, Look, Rose is our boss. We're just workers here. We're just doing our jobs. Rose is the Kevin to Trevor and I's Jay. If, if we loved these movies, if we ended up having a great time, then everyone would be celebrating and nobody would bring me into the conversation. But now that we all hate the movies, oh, it's suddenly Rose's fault. <laughs> well, I mean, as the woman on the podcast, you do assume the role of scapegoat in either circumstance. That's true. So, um... <laughs> But yeah, thank you, Jack. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. It's fun talking to you. Yeah, good times. Yes, thank you so much. Sweet. Good talking to you. All right, thanks, Jack. Care.